All right, we're live again, folks. Uh, Cross the Tracks is back. Cross the Tracks is back, and this is episode number three of the uh, Cross the Track podcast. And tonight, we have a very interesting subject, one that's near and dear to my heart. We're talking about sports heroes and legends from our respective neighborhoods, and this one's going to be really good. And uh, I've been looking forward to this one all week once we came up with this subject. So um, I'll kick it off tonight. And what I want to do is I want to throw out a name. And this particular name is in your neighborhood, across the tracks from me. And I'd just like you to offer some reflections on this name. And that name is Dennis Shacklett. Oh, Shaq. Yeah. Dennis, <laughs> Dennis Wayne Shacklett. Yeah. <laughs> There's another middle name with a Wayne. Yeah, in another, it. another Wayne, absolutely. And uh, uh, Dennis Shacklett was. Uh, kind of a sports hero for him from our side of town, from the Mile Street side of town. And he was a football player. He didn't do a lot of baseball or basketball. Of course, we all played baseball and basketball in the neighborhood. But in um, Shaq's case, it was football. And Shaq was the prototype running back. He was a big Earl Campbell type running back. Very tough. Uh, Etown High School had been playing um, for the state championship for like three years in a row. And 1967, 1968, uh, Elizabethtown High School's football team was runner-up to the in the state, and they came across Fort Thomas Highland in the state championship each year. And in that, each of those years, um, we had Joe Welch as one of the uh, main athletes on the on the team. We had quarterback by the name of Ernie Lewis. You know, we know Ernie Lewis because he was Karen Lewis's older brother who graduated with us. And they had, uh, I think Shaq at that time was probably a sophomore or junior. But we came up short each time that... Um, we played Fort Thomas Highland. Well, the third time's a charm. And in um, 1969, Shaq was the leading uh, rusher for Elizabethtown High School's football team. And he was kind of the hero for for the team. And he was a guy uh, that was responsible for teaching me how to run, play running back. You know, because I, as growing up, you know, I went through a growing spell probably seventh to eighth grade where I had tendonitis in my knees and I could hardly run. But my uh, eighth, ninth grade year, I should say, that tendonitis kind of went away and I was able to, you know, get my get my speed back up. And I started playing running back. And at TK Stone um, that year, I want to say it was uh, 71, 72 school year, maybe, that we had an undefeated and once tied football team, and I played running back. And Norman Cleaver played running back, and Mark Bradley was a quarterback. And so, you know, Shaq was the guy that says, this is what you have to do, man. When you when you run the ball, when you get close to that goal line, you got to do this. You have to do this. This is how you carry the ball. This is what happens when you block. This is what you should see and so on. So he was a uh, local 
neighborhood guy from Miles Street who actually lived with Mr. Mr. Ganaway from uh, back in the day. He was a heck of a running back, just just a great guy. So he was. I can throw that name out there, and Dennis Shacklett comes out right now. So Shack was his nickname, absolutely. Yep, yep. Shack, yep, remember that well. And a lot of those names you mentioned, Ernie Lewis, who was our uh, version of Joe Willie Namath at the time. <laughs> yep. I remember sure. Ernie Lewis used to wear the white cleats. and everything. White cleats, right, right. And a uh, heck of a quarterback back in the day. And, and those were some um, great uh, E-Town High football teams back in the day uh, with, the, with, with Shaq and Ernie Lewis and a bunch of other guys. I think Nathan Huggins was part of that group, yep. if my memory serves me correct. So, yeah, a lot of great athletes on that team all right that's that's cool man that's great how about how about me throwing one out from from your side of the tracks throw away okay how about mark bradley oh wow so before i before i get into it i have to have to set the stage here so growing up in the bottom on pier street uh, mark curtis they all lived right across the street from me back in the day and i don't think you get to mark unless you talk about his grandfather, which was Mr. Mose Bradley. Yeah, Mr. Mose. Yep. Mr. Mose. And uh, Mr. Mose was a baseball legend as far as those of us living in the bottom. He was a baseball legend. Uh, he knew baseball inside and out. And he played in the Negro Leagues. He was always around the baseball fields down at the Litchfield Road Complex. You could always spot Mr. Mose down there around the ball fields, dispensing knowledge about the game because he had the cred to back it up. Yeah, and he so did. he caught a lot of that baseball. I remember seeing him in the front yard. He would be out pitching, uh, pitching ball with Curtis and, and Mark pitching ball and providing instruction. I remember that like it like it was yesterday. But that is where I think Mark developed that talent from. Undoubtedly, one of the best athletes ever to come out of the state of Kentucky, hands yes. down. Uh, Mark played shortstop on the baseball team. You mentioned he was the quarterback on the football team, played two guard on the basketball team, and went seamlessly from each sport with with not missing a beat. Truly one one of the the, the heck of a, an athlete that I've ever seen in my life. And so um, for the bottom, I mean, yeah, Mark was a hero to a lot of us, man. When he got drafted by the Dodgers uh, right out of high school, uh, we're like, wow, we know somebody that plays in the major leagues. Oh, because yeah. Everyone knew that Mark was destined for greatness. It's, it's just a matter of which sport was it going to be in. And I think he always probably loved baseball uh, more than the other two sports. And I think a lot of that had to do with Mr. Mose dispensing that knowledge. But uh, again, I, I don't know of a better athlete to come out of E-Town, to come out of the state of Kentucky other than Mark. Uh, if, you, if you know one, please share it with me. But I'm, I'm, I mean, a lot of good athletes came out of E-Town and Kentucky. But uh, in, in our realm and our growing up, I, I don't know one better. Right. Mark was he was Mark kind of showed up because when we were playing peanut league baseball and little league baseball, I think he wasn't living in E-Town at the time. I think maybe that he was is overseas or in Germany or someplace like that. Yeah. And then and then um, one summer someone said, hey, Mark Bradley showed up. Everybody knows Mr. Mose. And so Mark just kind of came out of nowhere. Yeah. And then this this was a. Uh, peanut leaguer 
who was hitting home runs. Yep. <laughs> you know, I'm like, who is this guy? Yep. They say, oh, that's Mark Bradley. Go, oh, that Mark Bradley. Yeah. So, you know, yeah. because we had heard about him from Miles Street. You know, there's this guy, Mark Bradley, and everybody kind of knew of Mr. Mose Bradley as well. Yep. And so Mark showed up and then, boom, he just took off. I, I don't ever think, well, I take it back. I think in, I played high school baseball with him. I think he may have struck out maybe once. Yeah, I, I don't remember a lot of times. He did not strike out very <laughs> yeah. much at yeah. all. Yeah, at no. all. yeah, don't remember a lot of strikeouts. I remember a lot of the guys. I, I played uh, Babe Ruth League with Mark. We were on a team called the Twins, uh, yep. the Babe Ruth League. And, I, you know, people were afraid to pitch to him because they knew <laughs> you get it anywhere close yeah. in the strike zone, he's going to get a hit or he's going to hit it out of the park. Right. And I, I don't remember a lot of strikeouts. Um, again, just a superb athlete, knew how to, you know, read pitches, watch for that pitch. Same thing on the basketball court, knew where to be uh, when is when you're playing defense, could score. And again, quarterback in the, the, the football team. I, I remember a lot of those games, you know, the passes he made and, and, and just, you know, the, the way he controlled the offense. I mean, I, I got a lot of list of names on the list. <laughs> hey, let me let me let me interject with a story. One time we were playing, uh, I think it was Babe Ruth baseball. And we had to travel all the way to Muhlenberg County to play. And that was like a four-hour drive to get to Muhlenberg County. And while we were there, I mean, it was Mark, myself, Curtis Wright, and Jerry Covington, um, Ray French, Tommy Skies, you know, all the guys that we went to high school with. And Muhlenberg County, we were playing a late game. It was like 10 o'clock at night, and they didn't want to pitch to Mark. They got up maybe one. No, they got up two two to one, and it was down to like the last inning, and Mark came up, and they were going to, you know, throw the pitches to the side just to walk him. And we were sitting there like, man, this game is almost over. We got a four-hour drive back in town back to uh, Elizabethtown, and for some reason, that pitcher threw the ball a little bit too close to way outside, and Mark hit the ball, and it went over their, their heads, and he got an inside the, the park home run. Wow. They thought they were pitching pitching out, you know, where he couldn't hit it so they can walk it, and he, they got a little bit too close, and he stepped out there and hit the ball, man. And you talking about shouting? Oh man, that was it was awesome. We we ended up winning that and winning a tournament, and it's just just things like that. You know, when you talk about it was hard for him to strike out. Well, he knew the game. He just he just reached the bat out there, and boom, everybody was in. They gonna pitch passing, and an inside the park home run. And we ended up winning the game. Yeah, yeah, knew, knew the game inside and out, and. Yeah. Uh, Again, I, I, I've got a lot of names on this list that I compiled when we started developing this episode. And I'm looking at some of the names, you know, great athletes, but they're, they're, he stands out, I think, um, as far as us growing up in E-Town, whether it's across the, across the tracks on your side on Miles Street or in the bottom, everybody knew who Mark was and knew what a hell of an athlete he was. So. Uh, hats off. Uh, we all graduated together in the class of 75. So 
And, uh, you know, it's it's a, I mean, it's amazing that, you know, we grew up with this guy. He got drafted by the Dodgers, played played in the major leagues, played in the World Series. The Dodgers won that year, I believe. All right. You know, the first time he came up because he played triple A ball. Yeah. The very first time that he got up to bat, they brought him up, you know, towards the end of the season. He got a hit. Yeah. And this is this is major league. So he yeah. got a, he got a, a a double. I think it was. Yep. 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 I always knew he'd get there. It's just it's just a matter of, you know, which sport. And I, I think baseball was the sport I think he loved the most. So, again, hell of an athlete. And uh, again, a lot of names on my list. But that one is, is one that deserves, uh, as they say, beyond honorable mention. <laughs> so so. If you don't mind, um, let's segue a little bit. We've talked about someone from your side of the track, someone from my side of the tracks. Let's throw out a name that's that's just familiar to people in E-Town if you've been around long enough. And that name was Sonny Chappin. Oh, Sonny. (laughs) Sonny Chappin. Sonny Chappin. He was my Little League baseball coach. He coached the Giants and Sonny Sonny Chappett, he was literally about five foot tall. He was. And that's putting on high heels. (laughs) And he drove an old white Pontiac and he smoked cigars. Never forget that. And he was always at the baseball diamond. Uh, He kind of, I'm not going to be mean or anything. He kind of remind me of like one of the lollipop guild kids that was in the wizard of oz yeah yeah <laughs> you know with the with the, yeah, the belly yeah, and the short yeah, and stuff yeah, kind of yeah. reminded me of that but sonny chappett was always at the little league diamond he was always down there was he marking the field or yeah. working the concession stands but sonny chappett was um probably mr little league at that time what do you think Absolutely. No, he, he was a fixture down at that Litchfield Road complex. And I like you said, he did everything. I remember him umpiring some games, too. You know, he would call some games every now and then. And like you said, anything to make the uh, little league down in that, that that complex successful, he did it. I, I don't remember uh, him, you know, slacking off or doing anything like that. He was a fixture and on Litchfield Road. And uh, if you played Little League in E-Town during, during the time we're talking about, uh, you remember Sonny Chappett. And uh, even though he was small, he was big in stature. And a lot of things he did for a lot of us kids who played in Little League down there, uh, he was responsible for a lot of those things. Yeah, yeah. He was, good. He was a good man. Absolutely. Good man. Absolutely. Absolutely. So – um, as, as we're talking about sports and, and heroes, legends, um, what, what about, you know, your sports experience in E-Town? And I, I know you, you mentioned you played football, but elaborate a little bit on, on sports and, and how it affected you growing up, you know, in E-Town and everything. Yeah, sure. Thanks, Wayne. Um, sports was, even to this day, sports is just about everything, you know, growing up in on Mile Street, there was a a lot between my house and Mr. Pinnock or Danny Pinnock's house. And we used to use that lot as our baseball field. We used to use that lot as our soccer field. And we didn't really know anything about soccer. We just threw a kick the ball out there and just played. But from the time that I can remember 
growing up, I always wanted to be in sports. My parents really didn't want me to do a lot of sports because like most parents, they thought, well, you'll get hurt playing football, you know, but there wasn't anything different than what we did every day. Right. You know, so uh, I played, you know, Little League baseball and I played Little League football after the first year I was eligible because, you know, my parents didn't want me to play football. And so everybody else in the neighborhood was playing football and they literally, I just had to con them into, okay, let me play. And I ended up playing for the Eagles. And that back in those days, helmet safety, shoulder pads, we were some raggedy kids, you know, (laughs) but that was the equipment of the time. It wasn't, you know, high tech or anything. That was just what we had. Right. So I played um, for the Eagles. I think Mr. Donnelly was the Eagles uh, football coach. Pat Donnelly's dad was the football coach. And from there, we played baseball all the time. Right down the street from me, there was another field that we played hardball. And we would sit at the end of Harden Street. And then Mallory Street was the next street over, which was the street that I lived on. And we had a hardball field right there because we could, you know, hit the ball. And to get a home run, you had to hit the ball over Mallory Street. (laughs) As we got older, there was a house that was uh, perpendicular to Mallory Street on Cleaver Street. As we got older, we had to hit the house in order to get a home run. So as we got, you know, older, we just had to make it make it better, more competitive for us. So that was that was baseball. And then, of course, playing basketball, you know, we talk all the time about whenever basketball practice was over, we would play basketball. Before school, we would play basketball. Yeah. On the weekends, we played basketball. Yeah. And that was just a competitive nature that we had in that neighborhood. And believe it or not, most of Mile Street were all boys. There weren't very many girls that were that lived in Miles on Mile Street or that side of the town or that side of the track. So we were always playing whatever it was, we we did it. You know, throwing rocks at one another, playing making boring arrows. We were always competitive. And when the sun went down, we would play hide and go seat and ghost in the graveyard. We were always, always doing something. So being athletic is always kind of been a part of my life. And to this day, I, I still am competitive, whether I run, I run nearly every day. You know, I lift three days a week. So, you know, I don't play basketball very much, but, you know, that's just how it is. And watching football and playing and yeah. uh, watching sports in general is just, you know, part of part of my DNA. Right. Oh, awesome. Yeah, I, um, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll chat a bit about mine. Um, didn't didn't play, as I think I mentioned in last week's episode, I did not play a lot of high school sports. The only high school sport I played, I ran track and cross country. And as I mentioned last week, uh, I am a diehard hoops junkie. Um, eat, live, breathe basketball, but I did not play high school basketball because I did not want to cut my hair. <laughs> uh, bad decision on my part, but you're young, you're stupid at that age. You, you thinking like I'm making a statement. Uh, but in reality, it was not the right decision at the time, but that's neither here or there, but, uh, love basketball, uh, played in the playgrounds, both on your side of town over at Morningside, the, the courts there played there. 
Again, we played before school. We played on the weekends, played at the Hilltop. We traveled places to play, Radcliffe, Hodgenville. I mean, anywhere where there was a game going on, I wanted to be a part of that game and play. And so as my skills got better, you know, I started to, you know, be invited to play in more games, got picked, you know, to play. You know, at the time you're, you're picking teams and I was like, hey, I'll take that guy. I'll take that guy. Uh, very rarely did I not get picked <laughs> to play right, right. As, as your skills <laughs> got better. But um, it, it, you know, sports is still important to me. I'm I, like you. I'm very competitive. I, I don't play much basketball anymore. I still have a ball. I go shoot every now and then just to, you know, just hear the ball go through the net is, is good. Uh, but I'm still competitive. I play a lot of racquetball now, which gives me that uh, competitive um, edge to, you know, say I'm, I'm not too far out of it yet. So that's my sport of choice right now, but I still love hoops, uh, watching, playing, it, you know, doing anything with hoops. I'm there. So Sports is it, it molded me in a lot of ways because at the time uh, I wasn't sure what my identity was. I, I was I was just a you know kid not knowing what was what. But two things you know came into my life that made my identity. One of those was, was sports and playing basketball. And the other we'll save for another episode. And we've got an episode on that which we've talked about. We're going to do an episode on music. So that's another thing. But uh, basketball was was my sport of choice and so um learned a lot of lessons from that played uh both there in e-town went in the air force played in pretty much all my career in the air force and then two years of junior college ball out of ecc so uh, love the game uh haven't had a lot of injuries that that have you know followed me into my older years so i'll knock on wood with that but love the game you know we uh we all played and we played it with each other all the time and everybody had that one skill. And the um, thing that I remember the most is that before we played and we normally played four on four half court basketball. Yep. And before we played those games, before we chose upside, we would always warm up playing 21, yep. <laughs> yep. you know, and as young kids playing 21 was something that we really couldn't do because the older athletes were out there on the courts and you had to work your way in there. That's right. So let's let's talk a little bit about <laughs> uh, playing 21, how yeah. competitive it was yeah, yeah. and some some of the side notes yeah. and that went on with us playing 21 to get started playing just four on four. Why don't yeah, you go I, ahead and kick that yeah, off? I, I remember 21 games. Like you say, most of the older guys play 21. And I remember the first 21 game. I, I and, and you can, you can, you know, hip hop, pick up on this too, as we get into it. But at the time you'd go to the court and you'd watch the older guys play 21. And I remember that if the ball, you know, you, you're standing around the court watching this game, but if, <laughs> if the ball hits you, you were automatically in the game. Yep. <laughs> you, were, you were in the game at that point. If the ball hit you, you were in the game. And so the goal was, hey, you better score two points. You didn't want to be the lowest guy once the game was over, because if you were the lowest guy, you got kicked in the butt. And by all the people that had by all the people, right? And it was called playing twenty one for booty. I remember it like it was yesterday because I I did kick kicked a few times. Oh, me too. 
before my skills got up to where, you know, I could score pretty well. But if you were standing around on the outside and that ball hits you, you were in the game. And the older guys were going to make sure, no, you're not leaving the court. You're in the game. So you might as well come in. And you're talking about maybe 10, 9 or 10 guys playing 21, and you're trying to get a rebound over nine or 10 guys. I mean, it's every man for himself. And you score, you make free throws. The objective is, you know, get to that 21. And then you you were dreading, man, that last shot going in for whoever won, because then they start asking, who's the lowest? (laughs) Who's the lowest? (laughs) So that's what I about 21. Uh, yeah, the other thing that goes along with that, and a lot of people don't realize it, is that it made us very competitive. Yes. That yeah. ball would hit the ground, especially if you were younger, and you hustled after that ball. That's right. You hustled after the ball because you wanted to get those two points. That's right. And um, no one called fouls. Nope. You nope. couldn't foul, You couldn't foul anybody in 21, nope. so that made us tougher. You know, if you... If you called a foul in 21, people look at you with a side eye. Like, like, man, what's up with that? (laughs) You can't call fouls in 21. And so we had had to work on our skills. Here's here's, uh, something that that happened a lot on Mile Street is that a lot of times, you remember David Carrick? Yes. David Carrick would come over and play 21, and he effectively – made us change the rules in 21 because he would get out there and he would scuffle and scrounge for the ball and he would get two points. He would go to the free throw line and hit 19 straight free throws in the game. Yeah. So we're like, how? what can we do to keep this guy from getting two points and ending the game? Because he never missed a free throw. Nope. Nope. So what we did in order to change rules is that we said, okay, you got to go three and out. You hit three straight free yep. throws, yep. you take the ball out, and then you can come back in, and it's just it's free for everybody. Yep. Well, David Carrick would hit his two points and hit three straight free throws, take the ball out, get another shot, and he would hit three more free throws. So it's okay. He's still whooping us. <laughs> so we said, now let's change the game again. You move the ball, the free throws, not from the free throw line. We moved it to the top of the circle. Yeah. Now you got further to shoot, and you still had three free throws, and you take the ball out. So that was a big change. I mean, we hustled. It made us tough. 21 made you tough. Oh, yeah. You had you had to learn how to dribble because you're being guarded by four or five guys, you know, so you had to learn to dribble. I mean, you had to get in there and rebound. You had to block yep. people out. And like you said, there was no foul. So if you, if you were taking it to the rack, you expect that you were going to get hit in the head. You were going to get beat down. But again, like you said, it made you tough and it made you competitive. And that's, that's those are some of the memories I had from playing 21, uh, you know, all over the place, your side of town at the hilltop. We we played Valley View School, the courts up there. We played up there. Then, yes, I remember getting kicked a few times because I, I didn't score enough points. And once you got kicked, you're like, okay, it ain't happening again. So right. you, you want to make sure, let, let me get in here, let me get some points, and then, you know, play defense on these other guys so they can't get it. So they can't get points. <laughs> so they can't get points. If, if, if those older guys didn't like you, 
they would jack they would jack you up. Oh my god! They would kick you hard, and if if oh, you yeah. were kind of friends with them, you know, they would just come up and just tap you. Right. You know, if, right. You, if you were the if you right. were the low man on the totem pole, they'd just tap yeah. you. But if they yeah. didn't like you, man, yeah. they would they would launch you into space. That's right. That's right. And ever <laughs> forbid if 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 you if you got hit the wrong way and you and hit that bone in in your butt, you know yep. that. <laughs> oh my gosh, you were locked up for a few days, man. You were locked. <laughs> Up a few days, <laughs> yeah. but uh, yeah, that, those were great times. Uh, 21, four on four, like I said, that was the warm up to play four on four, and uh, just tremendous times. I, I, I love those times and, and, and hooping, and it was great. Um, want, want to throw out a name as, as we're getting to the top of the hour here for, for this particular episode. And I think we realized we've got a lot of things to discuss with this particular episode. We're probably going to have to have a part two of this one, mm-hmm. but there's a name I want to throw out probably near and dear to both our hearts. Um, and, and far as, um, Af- well, not an athlete. I, well, we're, we're going to say this person was a, we're, we're going to say they were, a, they're a legendary figure in E-Town sports. And that mm-hmm. is Charles Rollins. Oh, CR. <laughs> CR. Mr. Charles Rollins. Charles Rollins. Charles Rollins. I mean, for as long as I remember, he from my growing up, he was the basketball coach at E-Town High back in the day. Yes. And a uh, tremendous coach. Uh, knew everybody in the community. I, I don't think there was one person that didn't love Coach Rollins, and uh, for all the things he did, a lot of coached a lot of these guys that you know we played twenty one with, who became stellar athletes at Eton High basketball. He coached them, and now the legacy that he's left, his name is on that. Uh, I think his his name is um, on the gymnasium at Eton High. Uh, for the legacy that he left behind. So I I remember him being a fantastic coach, great human being. Um, his oldest son, Chuck, again, hell of a basketball player. Uh, and one, one of the few guys I remember back in the day that, that, you know, was dunking, you know, oh, yeah. Yeah. was throwing it down, man. White man can jump. White man can jump. Yes. <laughs> and he was throwing it down, man. But uh, Coach Rollins, great man, great for the community, did a lot for E-Town High Athletics. So what, what's your view on, on the coach? Yeah. Yeah. Coach Rollins was that coach that, number one, I'll say this. I didn't like Coach Rollins because he coached at E-Town High School at the time that my <laughs> brother played at E-Town Catholic. And so that was the we mentioned last week that E-Town and E-Town Catholic always had battles. But overall, Coach Rollins was a, a, a good guy. Yeah. He um, was the basketball coach. Uh, he yeah. had a, a twang that yeah. <laughs> everybody remembered. And um, there's a couple of times I used to imitate everybody. And Larry Lands, you remember Larry Lands? Larry Lands, yeah. Larry Lands and I used to just make funny comments in Coach Rollins' voice. We did that about everybody. <laughs> and so Coach Rollins, you know, had Chuck Rollins, which was on that 1972 runner-up state basketball team. His yeah. son was. But Coach Rollins was the guy who eventually became the principal at E-Town High School. Yeah. And he would come up and talk to you and he would say, you know, now, Johnson, you know, you know, you shouldn't be doing that in the cafeteria. And I go, OK, Coach Rollins, you know, I, I know I was wrong and so on. But he was also the guy that 
if I did something mischievous or wrong, he would always wait until Jim to come in and confront you. And normally that con- confrontation was, well, Johnson, I understand that you uh, skipped school yesterday to go to Radcliffe and buy you some baseball cleats. Is that right? And I go, yeah. Well, you got a choice, Johnson. Three days or three licks. Yeah. I'm like, Coach Rollins, do you have to get me now in gym? <laughs> yeah. That's the only time you don't have jeans on. It's going to put a little bit more pain <laughs> on you. <laughs> okay. Well, I wasn't going to go home. No way. I was going to take three days at home. So I, I took the three licks yeah. and uh, went about my way. But Coach Rollins was was that guy, and he was just he was just an awesome individual. Man, I, I got on his bad side a couple times too. So uh, that's a different that's a different podcast right yeah. there. But yeah. yeah, he was he was a, he was known as their basketball coach. He was a guy that was well known in Elizabeth Town. And he's a, he was a tall, he was a tall, tall guy. Oh yeah, freck, yeah. Freck, freckled face, you know. Yeah. yeah. And uh, he was, he was a, he was a good guy. Yeah, I, I remember he had to call my mom one time. He called my mom. I, I got into it, and me, right? I, I'm never known as a fighter, not, but I got not into Wayne. <laughs> not I you. Got into, I got into a fight in the commons area. We were at lunch, and I got into a fight in the commons area, and I can't remember who I got into it with, but it was over a chair. And the chair at the lunch table, and it was instigated by by an individual. And I'm thinking, oh yeah, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna be bad and, and fight this guy. And we were actually friends, ended up fighting each other. So I got suspended for three days. So Coach Rollins called my mom. He said, uh, Miss Moore, um, you're gonna have to come pick Wayne up. And she's like, for what? He's like, he's been suspended. <laughs> and she's like what he said yeah he was fighting it's fighting in the commons area during lunch and everything well bob could believe it you know because i'm like well, who are you fighting but yeah he, he called my mom and, and you know but that's how it was back then <laughs> you know you could pick up the phone and call people's parents and and rest assured uh parents would react when the principal called it wasn't a lot of this crap going on now to where you know um parents don't want to support the school and this type of thing but that's another subject but yeah right right right, right. coach rollins was uh again good man pillar in the community and and that that coach of a lot of those great uh etown high basketball teams i remember growing up as a kid so yep i tell you let's let's go a little bit further here let's 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 keep on this we got it kind of got a groove going on here let's let's move a little bit further how's that okay okay how about uh let me throw out uh, a couple names here uh, how about Richard Thomas? Oh, wow. Um, Richard, again, stellar athlete. Um, I remember him primarily baseball, basketball. Um, and um, again, heck of an athlete. Um, you, I, Since I didn't play baseball, and again, I, I didn't play high school basketball, but yeah, Richard was a hell of an athlete. And you probably have a better perspective on him. Uh, but I do remember going to games, you know, watching him play back in the day. And again, superb athlete. Uh, can't Can't deny that at all. Right, right. You know, believe it or not, he he started on Mile Street, and then he moved to uh, across the tracks. Yes. Yeah. yeah. He he started right up the street on Harden Street. Okay. As a matter yeah. of fact, he lived right next door to to where we used to live on Harden Street before we had our house built. 
And um, yeah, we played baseball and basketball. He just like everybody in the neighborhood. Richard was a, a great athlete uh, on that runner-up team. He was on that runner-up team with uh, people like Newt Hare and Jackie Dupin, mm-hmm. um, Philip Franklin. You remember Philip Franklin? Philip Franklin. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, Steve, I forget Philip Franklin. Steve Applegate. Let's see who else was on there. Uh, uh, David Carrick was on there. Nathan yeah. Huggins. Nathan Huggins, yeah. Yeah, that yeah. that was that was that af- that was that team that made it all the way to the uh, state runners up with uh, yeah. Coach Vinsel, yeah. which yeah. was which was another legend that we had. But Richard was was a great athlete. Um, his his kids, his sons were yeah. great athletes as well, and yeah. uh, they went on to uh, uh, Demont went on to play professional baseball as well. So. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I want to say uh, Richard may have not have played baseball his senior year. Okay. I don't think he played baseball his senior year, but uh, he he was on that basketball team, and he's he's a good good athlete. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. 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 Like I say, the the list is long. I mean, I'm looking at some of the names here, and we 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 talked about some of them last week. Um, Marty Dowdell. Oh um, yeah. Another, I mean, heck of a baseball player. Um, I mean, wow, M- Marty was was spectacular on a baseball diamond. Uh, I'm looking at um, Joe and Tommy Welch. I mean, yep. it's another superb athletes on from your side of town. Yeah, Joe and Tommy, they live right down the street from me, yep. and uh, they were they were tracksters and football yep. players and. They were so fast. I remember one time a guy brought a quarter horse up up to the high school and bet Joe Welch a hundred dollars that he couldn't beat that quarter horse in a hundred yard dash. Wow. I don't know if you ever knew that or not. I didn't know that. But they they brought the quarter horse up to up to the football field and wow. Joe Welch beat that quarter horse. Man. And got a hundred dollars from this guy. Oh, wow! <laughs> and Tommy and Tommy, his younger brother, was just as fast. Wow! Just as fast. First, that's for sure. Now, I I want to go back and speak a little bit about Marty Didale. Yes, by all means. Uh, I was on Marty's little league team. I could have been Peanut League or Little League team. And Marty was ambidextrous. Yeah. And. He could throw the ball with his right arm, and then he could that arm would get tired, and he would switch gloves and throw the ball with his left arm. Yeah, he was that good. As as a matter of fact, they came up with what is known as the Didel rule. That is, if Marty started to pitch someone using his right hand, he couldn't switch to the other hand until the inning was over with. Because he would switch back and forth. If a right-handed batter would come up, he would throw right-handed. If a left-handed batter would come up, he would throw with his left hand. And so he always had an advantage because he was ambidextrous. You know, and uh, his dad was the baseball coach, and he was was just an awesome guy. He would take you any place you wanted. You know, he would always come and pick you up if you needed a ride and and so on. The, The... Sad part about this thing is that um, by the time that we got to our freshman year in high school, I think Marty was a year ahead of me in school. He came down with leukemia. Mm -hmm. And sadly, 
his freshman year, he uh, he passed away. Yeah. So that was that was you know a, a sad point uh, in in our uh, in our in our school and in the neighborhood because Marty Dardell was was such a great guy. Yeah. Uh, now his younger brother Kevin ended up playing baseball at Etown High School and ended up being on the state championship baseball team in '75. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 That was I mean, mo- most of the kids we grew up with, we, again, whether they were from across the tracks, your side of the town or the bottom or the hill. If, if you played baseball during those early uh, 70 years, whatnot, you always um, gathered down at what was the Litchfield Road complex. And you call it you call it a complex, but it's just a few fields. And uh, whether it was Peanut League, Little League, and then, you know, once you got a certain age, you went across and you played Pony League and, and Babe Ruth League. But the Litchfield Road Complex was a gathering place for, you know, families and, and just to come down and watch kids play baseball. It, it was just a free atmosphere. And people were rooting on their kids. Uh, you probably remember my uncle, uh, Uncle uh, uh, Haskell. Haskell. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, he, he was a fixture down at the ballpark, always rooting for for his kids and colorful character down at the ballpark. Again, we talked about Sonny Chappett. There's Bobby Williams. Uh, yep. I mean, I mean, so many people that shaped our lives and our growing up down at that Litchfield Road complex. And if your team won their game that night, you got to go across the street to the Dairy Queen. <laughs> that was the thing to go across the street to the Dairy Queen, yeah. get your milkshake and then come back and watch games for the rest of the night. And rest of the night. That was the rest of the night. And that was your summer, man. That was your summer. And uh, I, I remember that like it was yesterday, you know, playing ball down there, watching games, going to the Dairy Queen. And and we would, you know, play once you were done playing, we would play. Uh, remember a game called Hotbox? Oh, yeah. <laughs> we would yeah. play Hotbox, you know, uh while the games were going on, it was it, you didn't have to worry about anything. Your parents didn't wonder where you were. You're down at the ballpark, and wow. that that was a cool thing, man. Everything really. was kid friendly back then. Kid friendly, yeah. There, there was nothing that was evil going on as no. well. You know, America, no. America, small town America back in those days, it was just like probably any other small town. But we're talking forty or uh, fifty years ago. Yes. You know, and America has changed and small towns has changed. But I'm just glad that we grew up in a town and a time in which we could literally walk every place we wanted to walk, go any place we wanted to go and not have any fear of anything. In today's world, kids are, are fearful of just about everything. Yeah. Yeah. You know, parents, uh, parents don't let their kids do hardly anything. I, I remember one time my wife, Lynn, got upset with me because Alex, my son, our son was um, he was the ball boy for the football team. And we went down to Bloomington to play Bloomington South for a football game. And I, I guess Alex was probably in the fifth or sixth grade. And we got back about midnight that night. And after games, we would always um, record the tape so that we could trade tapes the next day. And so he got on a different bus than I was on. And so we were in there recording the tapes and I come out and goes, where's Alex? 
you know, I didn't know where he's at. So he took the initiative just to walk home. Oh, wow. <laughs> and it's, it's a it's a mile walk from the high school to where I live. And when I got home, boy, did I get it. <laughs> what do you mean letting him walk home? I said, well, at least he took the initiative to walk home. He could have been kidnapped. He could have been in a ditch someplace. I said, Lynn, he, he could protect himself. He's, he knows how to handle himself. He knows he's going to be okay. And so I asked him, well, why did you come home? He goes, well, I got tired of waiting around, so I just decided to walk home. <laughs> Different time, different, different time, times, you know? different times. Yeah, yeah. totally different time. Totally. So I think that's a, a good good segue to end. Not unless you have something that you want to you well, want to share. Yeah, I I think um, we we need to discuss one more topic before okay. we wrap up. Well, before we wrap up, and so, I think we need we we need to talk about uh, women's hoops. Anytime. Oh yeah, yeah. We need to yeah. talk about women's hoops. Um, the, my memories go back. I remember um, Bob Shear coached the eighth grade girls team, but mm-hmm. the notoriety for girls hoops, I think, and correct me if I'm wrong, but uh, Kent Mudd yep. uh, was the coach that uh, took over the girls program. I think at the high school level, I believe that's where Kent started right. and, and turned that women's program at Etown High. Uh, he had some awesome teams uh, come through Etown High. Good coach. He had some great female athletes. Uh, I, I think we'd be remiss if we didn't talk about that. So what, what's your, some of your reflections on that? Oh, yeah. I, I think if I remember correctly, Etown High School under Kent Mudd's leadership they won probably eight or nine regional yeah. championships. Yeah. I know they were state runners up in, I want to say like 97, uh, 95, 96, 97 maybe. And then I know in 98, they won the state championship. Yeah. And so he had, he had some great athletes and you know some of the people that we went to school with they were the um the leaders or the starters of the program because girls basketball didn't really start i think until maybe our eighth grade or ninth grade year yeah i think so and you know like uh jan wheat was on one of those teams Uh, nina nina parish uh sandy sandy lackey i think she was one of the stars on there yeah um, I can't I can't think of all of them, but yeah, the girls basketball team was uh, it still has a great tradition right now. They they E-Town, as small as E-Town High School is, there's only about 700 students in that high school. Right. But in in that high school of 700 students, there are 14 state championships. Yeah. 14 state championships. So, yeah, the girls basketball team, um, they're they're still doing doing well right now. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I find that I, I, I find a lot of enjoyment watching women's hoops now uh, versus men's hoops. And, and, and I say that because the game to me, it, it's fundamental. You, you can truly watch fundamental you know, basketball being played at the, at, at the, at the women's level. Uh, I watched a lot of uh, WNBA games uh, and went to a lot of WNBA games. And you, when you sit and watch 
you know, when 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 they do a pick and roll, you know exactly that person is going to be where they're supposed to be or a give and go or they're setting a screen. It's all fundamentally sound. And so it's played below the rim, uh, which is good. And you can set and you can literally just watch and, and look at the play develop because they know exactly where they're supposed to be when the ball's supposed to get there and everything. It's really cool to watch. So much, much love to women's hoops. Didn't your sisters play? Did your sisters play uh, uh, basketball? I think no. I, I don't think no? you, they, they, they may have attempted to play. But I <laughs> that plan. I tried to get my daughter into hoops when she was growing up, but she she wasn't having it. I brought her a ball and everything, and she wasn't having it. So famous last dad, words. Huh? Yeah, dad didn't get a get a hooper man in the family. So, but. Um, I think we would have been remiss if we didn't mention, um, you know, women's basketball at, at, at E-Town High and, and, you know, the things that we remember about um, the legacy that Kent Mudd left, uh, you know, getting that program off the ground and making it into the, you know, the dynasty that they were for the time that he was there. So, yeah, yeah, that's good. Good deal. Good deal. Yeah. yeah. So um, we're getting close to the end of this episode. Uh, any closing thoughts, any final words of wisdom you want to dispense tonight? Well, not really. Just, you know, what we grew up doing and kind of what we do now is not any different than what we did back in the 60s and 70s. Um, small town America, that's what people in those small towns do. You know, they go to the ball courts. On weekend nights or weekends, and they're on the ball diamonds or the soccer fields, and there's a sense of community that they have in a small town that you don't have in larger cities. And that's one thing that I that I miss is the fact that you know I mentioned this before that when you go to a small town, you know exactly what you're going to get. There's no pretending. Everybody's Everybody's in, everybody's all in, and everybody supports the programs, whether they are uh, sitting in the stands or they're paying money to the band boosters or the football boosters or the uh, track boosters or whatnot. Absolutely. Yeah, it's 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 one of the hallmarks of small town America. Uh, it's where we, you know, garnered our chops as athletes. And um, again, we we are who we are today because of those experience we had playing Little League and then and, and Peanut League and Pony League and playing high school baseball and, and, and playing basketball at various levels. And the people who enriched our lives as our coaches and teammates from that small town America template that, uh, again, is prevalent all across the USA. There, there are people supporting young kids being active in sports, and it's a great thing. And uh, we are true beneficiaries of that as well. Absolutely. Well, that's going to bring an end to this week's Across the Tracks. So please tune in for our next episode. Absolutely. Tune in and let us know what you think of Across the Tracks.